I think we're on the air. Hello, everybody. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another uh, exciting. How yeah. do you? I'm going to tip my hat to you, Dave. Have you ever tipped your hat to a woman? I uh, probably in a theatrical performance. Ah, I did it the other day. I was wearing a hat. I wear a hat when I walk. Kind of a. Yeah. And not just your usual baseball cap. I wear a nice hat. And I went by some ladies and I tipped my hat, said, good morning, ladies. And then they they probably thought I was a weirdo, but. I miss the old days, Dave. Yeah, like, do you remember when you and Tom Barclow and I walked um, out into the restaurant at like the miniature game war gaming little wars, I think. Yeah, little wars. Dinner. we We had my boys with us. Adam and Aaron. Yeah. And the young ladies came out of the restaurant and they were all like, hi, hi, hi. And I was like, ooh. And Jeff, you were like, uh, when they're saying hi now at this stage, guys, it means they see us as grandpas and it's safe to say hello again. Especially yes. when <laughs> the they kids can flirt with us now because we're just harmless old men. <laughs> I got to tell you, Dave, I don't know if we can leave that in the show. Oh, well, decide before I edit. (laughs) Laura would be okay with it. These are such (laughs) crazy days. We might get, uh, you know, somebody might come out against us and we'll have to we'll have to make a statement. We're stepping away from the microphones for the two half squads have decided to step away from the microphones to uh, contemplate to contemplate our our evils and uh we hope to come back at some point but we're very very sorry for all the harm we've caused in the asl world (laughs) certain news shows i think it's a week it's a vacation for a week but this is the one and only podcast dedicated mm, 80 percent to the greatest game in the world let's say 100 percent. 100 100%. 100%. Who's going to, what are they going to do? Sue us? Um, you said something that wasn't about squad leader and uh, we're bringing a class action suit against you. Yeah. Maybe our Patreon supporters might want their money back, but numbers have not changed much. They're pretty consistent right there. Up $10,000 a at, month, which is I good. I was going to say it. We're at nowhere near a thousand People subscribing a dollar a show. So, but we get a tad of money and we thank our Patreon supporters. Yeah, we thank them. Thank very, you very much. I'm not going to be retiring. I can't even pay for a, for a uh, burial spot. But uh, anyway, but I'm not begging. Please, please, <laughs> please become a patron. So how are you, Dave? So, well, welcome. Good. You were commenting on, uh, I think, uh, work situations these days. Yeah. With people not working at the shop. Yeah, I think people are finding out that uh, that all of the t- time, are twenty to eighty percent of the time they spent in their work day, and I'm using air air quotes for work day, actually had nothing to do with work. They were commuting. They were kibitzing they were 
going to get coffee. They were talking about stuff not related to work. They were getting ready to go to meetings. They were getting out of meetings. They were, and was not related to work. And people are finding out they can, if they really knuckle down, they can get all their work done in about 30% of the time. I think there's some truth to that. And um, I was just talking to a friend who works in a, one of those government secret things. And, but he could say that. Like Area 51? To, close. Area okay. 52, right next okay. door. Okay. <laughs> he has to check in every six minutes and log in what they've done in this special walk. And so he's been, and they're also offering a 10 hours for four days to be done in your 40 hours. You know, that's a common thing, especially at a shop. You know, as I said, back at the shop, because I'm a white, blue collar worker, theater, construction, painting, paint houses, and then teaching, I guess that's white collar, but um, not the office. Classroom never thought of it as an office, right? If I got called to the office, I was usually in trouble and had a parent complain against me or uh, was caught embezzling all that money from the school. Um, lunch so, money. You were the lunch money embezzler. He said the same thing you said exactly. And this was just a couple nights ago. He said, uh, yeah, it's no, he doesn't talk to anyone. Now he's not, he, he is going into the office, but the whole conversation started with that, with having to log in every six minutes. He doesn't do the conversations at the water cooler and everything like that. Yeah. You know. And, and I went to, I've been attending a, Air quotes. Everything's going to be air quotes. You can call this episode air quotes. Uh, I've been attending a conference virtually, and I've attended physically in the past two or three years. I've driven to Cleveland and Indianapolis for this conference, and it's so much better attending virtually. It's all the same stuff, 90% of which is worthless anyway, but we go to this conference for this certain software that we subscribe to, and uh, you okay over there? Did she come down the steps? She's falling down, down the stairs. She's falling down the stairs. Remember my, wife is, my wife is falling down the stairs, but I, I'm podcasting, so figure it out. <laughs> anyway, so you know, there's not the five-hour drive. There's not the packing. There's no gas expense. You don't have to check into the hotel. You don't have, you know, just all that stuff. Now, I know face-to-face -face interaction is important for some kinds of business. But for the kind of stuff I do, it's just not necessary. And then I go to these meetings, and I just want to know, how do you get this thing to work with that thing? I don't want to hear all about the history of the world. and Actually, I do, but they don't talk about the history of the world. They talk about the history of their stupid company. Anyway... It's much better attending. Yeah. Well, you know, Laura, I go with Laura to that um, Christian uh, conference, a lot about counseling and other topics. I will miss the sightseeing portion, though. Yeah. Like, it was in Montgomery. Is that where was the uh, church bombing? And we did the um, Martin Luther King Park where they were chased down. The museum is on the corner. Yeah. The church. Or was it Birmingham? Birmingham. I, uh, the church was 
across the street. Um, just great history there and missed that. And then the year before that was out by the Naval, was it Virginia? Virginia, I think. West Virginia. <laughs> Boy, we are just, uh, we, we are just brandishing our ignorance with wild abandon. But I was there. But anyway, I'll miss that. But yeah, the rest of it, I'll miss going out to eat. That was always the good part, too. Yeah. So what's on the show today, Jeff? Well, we've got our interview coming up with Mr. Dave Goldman with, that we've been looking forward to for a while. We also have a little bit of terrain time we're going to try and get into. Terrain time. Great. And that's it. How about terrain time? Okay. Hello, boys and girls. It's terrain time. We're got going some. to try these slopes, Jeff. And I know it's helpful when you ask questions to clarify these rules. Don't do it today because I, I don't get off it. Oh, okay. <laughs> but they it's the slope rules. I think they're easier than we think. So I'm going to read this just short here. We got two pages of finishing up Onslaught to Orsha 2. Of course, the slope rules came out with the original ASL. And um, I believe these, I don't even know if these are differently written. Uh, perhaps they're more clear. I don't know. We could compare it as we go, I suppose. Okay. What what uh, um, rule is that? What chapter and verse? Slopes. It's slope. So in the original, I got my little rule book. Over. Yeah, slopes. You have, you have a rule book, not electronic yet, but I heard they're going to come out with an electronic rule book soon for ASL. Oh, how very modern of them. Uh-huh. And uh, some other stuff. I'm forgetting what's coming out. A couple of packs. Oh, the uh, the Swedes should be coming out soon. So the I should have sold mine. The Swedes are coming. My mom would be very happy about that. Uh, I don't see it. I'm going to hit the index. But the Onslaught to Orsha 2. Slopes. Slope Hexide. Doesn't come uh, until P, according to my rule book. Yes, that's true. So that came up with what game? Pegasus Bridge? P um, was uh, a Comproof Piper. Piper. Yeah. Comproof Piper. And yeah, it also came it. out in Q, but you were right. Q also has some slope in it, which is Pegasus Bridge. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. So the first little bit. Group. Do you have the, that set of rules? Up the Kampf group oh. Piper, yes. To the slopes, elemental P. Uh, let's see. Yes. I'm still checking okay. mini rule book. The mini rule book. What's this called? The pocket edition ASL rule book for Multiman Publishing. Yeah, slope hexide is in section two of the Kampf group Piper rules. And let's see, I'm just going to look and see how long okay. these rules are. It looks like... B5, if you're in your pocket edition. B5. Looks like a page of rules. Well, so, if you got it out, I'm going to let you have that version. I'm going to go ahead and start reading this version. Rule 1.1, a slope hexide is a, an undulation in the terrain substantial enough to give an upslope unit a line-of-sight advantage. On the onslaught to Orsha map, the slope hexide is represented by brown hash marks along the hexide. The entire hexide is marked by a slope, but not the slope artwork itself is considered part of that slope 
Hexi. That look familiar over there? Yeah. Let me share this. And slopes look like that. The little okay. hash marks around the sides. I see and that. On the side that you are in, it's going up the next hex. So that's going to be your down slope. If when it's, the so, if when the when the hash marks are in your hex, you're down the edge, concave away from you. That represents going up a little slope. I think the okay. concave helps make it look obvious. Symbol. So you're either upslope or downslope. Okay. A location can be upslope and downslope across two different slope hex sides in the same hex, two different ones. Now, line of sight, for onslaught to Orsha, they're saying slopes are neither obstacles nor hindrances. Being upslope only affects line of sight in that you're three-quarter of a level higher than no normal to line of sight that begins or ends in that location and crosses an upslope hex side. So to be upslope, you have to be... People shooting at you, looking at you through those hash marks makes you upslope, three-quarter of a level higher. So thus, barring other obstructions, uh, you can, a, an upslope unit, up three-quarter, even if not in a hill crest line hex, can trace line of sight across an upslope hex side of its own hex to lower elevations even across the hill crest line. So, for example, in the game Mike and I are playing, there's a hill crest that, and I pull up a tank in that crest. I tried to make hull down die roll. And right, the next hex behind it has a slope going up. So we realized I could pull a second tank up on that three-quarter level and have both tanks firing at the same target. Because being upslope allows you to see over mm. other crest lines and, of course, over walls, hedges, and anything else like that. But yep. it, seems, it seems unnecessary, doesn't it, kind of? It, you know, that's always been, i got to admit, I always think that when yeah. I'm gaming with them. But it does change things. And you're only finding these in your historical boards, to my knowledge. Mm. They're not so, in, in, on any of the geomorphic boards. No. Yeah. Not to my knowledge. So they're done for historical reasons. They found when they made Comp Group Piper, MMP discovered okay. they could. From certain hexes, you could see over walls and hedges, um, but you didn't gain all the benefits of you know, Bay Hill Crest at all. Okay. Literally, the ground is kind of sloping up. So, yeah. To make it more historical, you know, that's what they've done there. Um, we did post a guide on the last show or the show before, um, tutorial thingy. And then there's a guide in Onslaught to Orsha. Because Stu had a question about it, and I couldn't answer that, actually. I think he found a mistake in it. But ah, We'll have to get Rich Spilkey on this right away. Yes. Did he make any slope charts? I, uh, you know, I actually don't remember him. Him doing one. I know there is a slope player aid uh, chart kind of thing that you yeah. can get. I think you can get it on uh, Mr. Pitkavich's website. Yeah, maybe that's the one that you linked on the last show. 
Otherwise, being upslope or downslope itself has no effect on line of sight. Slopes are ignored if the line of sight goes through their hex or along the hex side. So then you got to kind of pretend they're not there unless you're up on the edge of that slope. Now you see above, higher, or you're tucked inside, which gives you a TEM, protective TEM. Probably what's best to is just look at the examples that are listed to really get the idea. It's one of those rules you really got to kind of just look at the examples given in Comp Group and in Onslaught to Orsha and comes with uh, Objective Schmidt. Being upslope itself does not give height advantage, nor can you make a hull down attempt. So it is not a crest line. And that's oh, where okay. it's more like not a crest line. slope at an angle instead of a up a cliffy kind of hill and then over um so no height advantage no hold down attempts presence of greater than or equal to one slope hex side does not change the elevation of the base hex level so and then for fire lane 1.31 for purposes of fire lane the line of sire line of fire drawn across greater than or equal to one slope hex side assume that the term same level means same base level the, so ground level, like if it's on the green grass part of the board, no. Okay. Cover can give you plus one protection, TEM. Um, you need to be in a hex containing three or two non-contiguous downslope hex sides. So you're down in this like a little valley thing, and I can show it again here on this example. Come on, Slot the Orsha. Do I have that right by my finger? This guy yeah. is tucked in two, three down slopes around him, left, front, and on his right hex side. Then people firing at him, he can claim the plus one, and he can claim it. Um, now, I cannot claim it to fire that doesn't come through those slopes, kind of logical if you're if you're shooting through this area where there's no three-quarter rise you yeah. don't get the plus and you don't get it if someone's adjacent to you just like you can look down into a gully when you're adjacent right or from someone in a building at a higher level all that applies like normal also so being upslope itself provides no tem does not negate first fire movement open ground or non-assault and does not affect wall advantage rules so it's really just when you're tucked in between three that you can claim this, or it said two non-contiguous. So I guess one in front of you, one behind you. Again, you might get the idea that you're down in between them. Mm, yeah. It's probably helpful. I'm, um, I'm nodding my head and saying, yeah. Well, but you can imagine, right? If there's one behind you and in front of you, it's kind of yeah. like tucked into a, two downslope areas, like a little valley between the higher slopes. Fire lane is real tricky. I would just say, go ahead and read it yourself. Because <laughs> verbally explaining it, you just need the pictures and the graphics. And then they're, it's almost done here. The entry going across a slope that is down slope uh, would be no extra cost. A unit crossing a slope hex side that is up slope is infantry is a half a movement factor plus cost of terrain in order to move up slope. 
and crossing a slopex side while moving on a road does not negate negate the um, B three point four movement factor road bonus. So you still get that. So it's half a movement factor for infantry, which I think Mike and I were forgetting in our last game. I know with tanks we were skillfully going around, <laughs> weaving around through those, not avoiding going upslope. For a yeah. vehicle, it's only one extra movement point to go upslope. So one movement point plus cost of terrain. Um, crest line slope, no vehicle may cross a combination of a crest line and a slope, which would make it like a level plus three quarter. So you got to be aware of that. That you got to go around that. And then lastly, when crossing a slope hex side with rain or ground snow, extra movement cost apply just as if the moving unit is changing elevation. So I think whatever the normal rule is for rain or ground snow going up slope, you're going to have to add it too. So you're going to want to avoid that also. Yeah. Okay. Then the only other thing we got on terrain for Onslaught to Orsha is the um, combination hexes and culvert and a machine gun cupola. Cupola. Oh, yeah. Um, so orchard shell holes. It's pretty easy and logical. Orchard shell holes are always considered to be out of season and are represented by the four brown leafless depictions. So you can see by the board, an onslaught to Orsha, that it's out of season. This also applies to orchard hexes in which shell holes are placed during play. Infantry, main, infantry not moving into shell holes pay two movement factors, while infantry using the shell holes pay three. So again, like going into it, all track pay an extra three movement pay three movement points to enter, and other vehicles pay six movement points. It's not in addition; that's total. So okay. a little bumpy. And then yeah, I don't sense. know what the normal is for shell holes. Is that the same? Do you have a? Uh, let me see if I can find a shell take hole. Take a look. And then it is a bog check for Onslaught to Orsha when entering an Orchard Shell Hole Hex. Non-track vehicles incur an additional plus two to the bog check die roll. So it's a thing to avoid with um, armored cars and trucks. So infantry normally will enter a shell hole with a cost of one or two. If they use it or not. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then let's see... Cavalry horse-drawn vehicles must enter at the two movement factor. So these are more expensive. It's two for infantry and then three if you use the shell hole. So and I, I wonder why that is. I didn't. There's I don't a, see no. anything for. I don't see anything for vehicles here. Where is my uh, vehicles? There's a, a footnote, and uh, we could check that. Maybe they were more severe kind of yeah. shell. Uh, there's a grain road terrain depicted. It's going to be very simple. Oh, grain road. Okay. It's just a grain field with a road going through, you know. So it's identical to a regular uh, road. Hindrance, rule, hindrance rules do not apply, of course, if you're shooting um, with, a, with that portion of the line of sight from the firer to the target within those hexes never leaves the road, like shooting in the woods. If you shoot down the road, right? 
So that's all pretty normal. The Culvert that originally came out in a multi-man publishing game. Was it Red Barricades where the Culvert first appeared? Let me Maybe. see if I can look it up. Yeah, you can check. Going into a Culvert <laughs> is like going into a gully. and But you can do so only from in the kind of capital I-N an adjacent gully or culvert location. Obviously, you have to drop down into the depression. Yeah, going into to go culvert. through. Yeah. No vehicle, cab, motorcycles mounted may enter into a culvert. Cycles can only be portaged into it. And then infantry and AT guns that are small may set up and be manhandled into a culvert. And mortars, too. And that was, you were right, that was, it did come out in red barricades. Ooh, wow. I'm on fire. Uh, let me let me just triple check that. Is that right? <laughs> and it's also, there's a, I think there's a stream culvert in Conf Group Piper. Uh, can you fire a mortar from in a culvert, Jeff? I wouldn't think so. You may not. Nor does indirect fire affect units in one. And crest status may not be granted in a culvert, nor may it be gained along a gully culvert hex side. So you can't, like, hang on the <laughs> concrete or metal edge of the culvert and look up over and try to use it as a oh, okay. crest status. Can a unit in a culvert be considered a target versus snipers? Oh, I'm going to, ooh, I'm going to say no. Yeah, I think there's too much cover there. That's correct. Can you put up mines in a culvert? Um, I, I think an anti-personnel mine maybe. Yes, you it, can. But it can't be set up hip. No, you can't dig them into the ground. Exactly yeah. right. And uh, same thing for the uh, AT mines, and then no other fortification can be set up in one. And the last terrain along Ansata Orsha is the machine gun cupolas. The cupola. And I didn't reread D9.5 or 0.7, which must have talked about them. There's a footnote, too, for these also in Onslaught. But um, they represent specially constructed fortifications. Treat them as those other rules, except as mentioned here. So I'm... A machine gun cupola destroyed by any means does not burn. It has an inherent 228 crew, which may not abandon it for any reason, even if the gun malfunctions. There is no crew survival from that thing. It can be set up hidden initial placement if allowed by SBR. SBR? I think that's what they use for onslaught for the bounding fire productions, maybe. Special bounding rules. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or if purchased by FPP, which is for the campaign games. Um, they cannot be scrounged, nor do they leave wrecks. They are considered hull down and a small target. So plus one to shoot. Armor factor of five. It is on the counters. So when you break out your counters for these, you get these really cool colored counters with the armor factor on them for the armored cupolas in this game these are in german color so i don't know if there are any in the russian color uh oh i'm uh oh i've got a question 
Yes. Why would they be considered hull down if they have no hull? <laughs> That's the purpose. I mean, it just means there's no, if you fire on it, there's no hull hit on it. I, you could almost imagine the, the shot will hit the ground around it. It's, oh. But it, it takes away half the time you'll hit. Yeah, yeah. It seems appropriate, right? Instead of hitting this larger tank, you're just trying to hit that little thing that in the ground. Right, so, okay. Yeah, I kind of like it just it takes away half of the... I guess they could have just said it's plus five to hit or something. I don't know what effect that would have had. Yes, yes, I, I see what you're saying. That's right. a question for Rich Bilkey. Does a plus five suddenly become outrageous or, you know... Um, well, when normally after our tanks move and we have the plus two for fire after moving and the plus one buttoned up and the it could be a plus five often and it's hard to hit. We always assume we won't. Yeah. So and then these things, there's no penalty for being buttoned up and the machine gun is used in close combat as if it were an armor fighting vehicle, CMG. OK, and it can malfunction and repair normally but is never permanently disabled by a repair attempt that's nice not that's, yeah really or For somebody sustained. like me yeah so you could do a lot of sustained fire and not permanently disable it of course it'll still break and you still have to roll or whatever it says a two on the counter right here we just looked at Yep, the repair number's on the back. Some of these have medium machine guns, and some of these have heavy machine guns in the normal German. Uh, Breakdown numbers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, there is this counter-battery module. I think we pretty well covered that by looking at the chart last time. Yes, Rich helped There's, us Well, it's that, pretty short. You? Why don't I just quickly... Counter-battery sure. modules available by the special rule or purchase... Refit purchase this type of module does not have plentiful or scarce ammo, ammo types, nor must it ever make an access draw. It never places FFE or affects onboard or aerial units. Instead, its attack is used to affect the opponent's OBA capabilities. Yeah, and we had looked at the chart before on the other show where a final die roll would lower the enemy OBA um, caliber of the guns to be less effective. Different role adds a red card to the enemy OBA module, more chance of it running out, et cetera, et cetera. So, and there's a chance your counter battery module itself would be eliminated on a die roll of 12. So that sounded really cool. Mm. You know, CBM, it does not make an attack until the opposing side has placed an FFE. And then once they've placed it, you can use it to attack uh, as your first prep fire phase activity. So just like a regular OBA, it just fires first. It can't be done in the defensive fire phase. And as long as it remains, you may continue to make an attack in each prep fire phase. And that's it. Onslaught to Orshot. Totally done. We haven't done an in-depth look at the scenarios, but that would be a whole different project. Yeah. We have one more thing, I believe, to add in here today. David Goldman. David Let's go to that. Gold. Let's go to that interview right now. Great. We have a very special guest now. We have a very, oh, it says here, avoid legal snags by telling people they're being recorded. And if anybody, if you want to, you know, really avoid a legal snag, uh, be careful when you're around Dave Goldman, who is our uh, ex. That's you know, understandable, but the other snags I get, you know, in my sleeve as I'm brushing against something or 
it's just terrible. <laughs> Can't help you with that. Sorry. For me, it's walking through the woods and then the low-hanging branches. Yeah. Well, I have the same problem. I'm not wearing some kind of uh, head covering. It immediately scratches the shiny spot on the top of my head. <laughs> Are you wearing a beard, Dave? Uh, very light beard. Oh. I keep it trimmed very, very close. And I've been that way for a long, long time. Uh, when when you used to go for uh, to the barber, I would use a number two blade on the beard. Or I should say I would have the barber use it. That's pretty short. I just, just had a one done on the hair today. Yeah. So. I'm taking notes here. Let's see. Number two <laughs> blade. <laughs> well, the, you know, uh, since we can't do a lot of face-to-face -face ASL, you know, you have to talk about important, you yeah. know, moving aspects, you know, so that when you're on Skype, because, of course, <laughs> you have to look good for the camera. That's so true. How are you getting on? We haven't talked to you since this whole COVID thing started. How, do you, how are you getting on and throughout? Well, quite, quite well, quite frankly. Uh, I had uh, gone to a remote office in last November, so workflow didn't change. Oh. Yeah, even earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and business is down, of course, but not uh, terribly so. Uh, you know, so uh, aside from the fact that there's no face-to-face -face ASL, you don't go out to dinner very much. You go for walks with your wife, except when she's mad at you. <laughs> uh, in which case you get to leave the house alone. Uh, and, you know, so there's not, and we don't go to the movies anymore, you know. Definitely going to have a gaping hole in your otherwise busy opera season. Um, gaping hole, I think, doesn't even begin to describe it. Yeah, which is really... Opera, symphony, jazz yeah. clubs. At yeah. least jazz clubs are sort of open now. And I don't know if uh, I mentioned it, but we had gone to a porch concert uh, earlier this evening from 6:30 to 7:30. Well, I'm guys? glad glad oh. to hear glad to hear you're doing okay. Yeah, we're doing good. Yeah, it's uh, you know thank goodness this happened during uh, these times when we've got all these wonderful technologies. Oh yeah, that, that keep us together. And uh, bravo for whoever came up with the internet. That was Al Gore, I think. Uh, he did a great job in building an infrastructure that could take the the weight of everybody jumping online. Yep. And it's worked out well. I had never played VASL uh, yeah. until <laughs> the end of March of this year. Yeah. I've now played, I think, in four different tournaments. And, you know, uh, and I've played oh. a regular opponent is Rich Domovic. And so, you know, we've played... It averages out every other week because we both have you know, complicated schedules, even in the time of COVID. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that's been the savior of ASL, and it's going to probably change. COVID is going to change, I think, a lot of the tournament scene. I think so, and so which we'll get to uh, shortly. But how did, how are you liking Vassal as a as a way to I, play? Uh, I like it. I would prefer to play face to face. I think there's, you know, just a little more interaction, uh, and it's a little more fun to see those dice roll in the cup and move the cardboard guys around. But uh, it's very close to uh, the same experience. And uh, for, you know, I think any experienced ASL player, the adjustment, even if you're not a computer literate kind of person. 
isn't all that tough. It really yeah. was. Yeah. No, clicking here, clicking there. Yeah, obviously, Jeff and I have been doing a lot of it. And you may recall what I always liked when we'd come to the ASL Open, that mm -hmm. we would um, be trying to record there or, or just play like one or two games and not get all overly into it. But uh, going to lunch for me was the highlight. And that's not been the same. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, going past the refrigerator, uh, <laughs> you know, just saying, you know, where's the server? You know, and what kind of wine are they serving today? <laughs> yeah. you know, it's yeah. just the same. <laughs> yep, I miss sitting around that table with like six ASL guys talking about the adventures they were having today in the tournament. And then table away from you, you're hearing someone else saying like, oh, yeah, yeah and I, I recovered the flamethrower. And then, you know, and the people around them are looking at them funny. That's pretty much the experience uh, that we all would like to have going again. And Dave and I have played against each other and against a, uh, one or two other opponents, you know, just on a one-on-one. -on -one. What's the what's an ASL tournament like over Vassal? Well, How does that work? There's a number of different uh, tournament formats. Um, I just did one that Greg Barton participated in one, I should say, that Greg Barsness was running. Uh, he's uh, out in uh, Washington State. And... They did it, uh, I'm not sure what the initial seating was right, but it was winners pretty much against winners. And it was, as I ran the Open, the same kind of uh, format, which was a scenario a week. So oh, had uh, you know, plenty of time, and that tournament only had 18 people. And I believe, I may be wrong, that I was the most distant uh, it was basically a West Coast uh, personnel in, in, in competing. Was that like the West Coast melee or no. some of the no. just a new a new thing? Uh, no, they've been running a tournament for a while, uh, but it's yeah. mostly local out there. Uh, okay. The West Coast melee, of course, is Southern California. Oh, that's right. Of course, yes, of course. And and it's you know, I have been to it. Uh, and it's uh, a wonderful tournament to go to, but it's a distance, but it's at the right time of year because I believe they had to do the first week in February or the last week in January, something like that. Um, and that's a fun, fun tournament. They have a nice facility, the one that I was at, and I think they're still at the same place near the airport, so it's very convenient. Near John Wayne Airport, if I remember correctly. I run the Open as a week scenario. And I have switched, as I did even when it was face-to-face, -to, -face, to what I would say larger scenarios, not big monster scenarios, but things that clearly are going to take five or more hours is my target for most of them. I put a small scenario in many rounds so that um, somebody who really isn't interested in that particular scenario list can you know, get uh, something done quickly. But... For tournament play, my theory at this point is that most people appreciate scenarios that have a little more meat to them so that three bad, three bad rolls of the dice isn't going to decide the game. Right, right. Still a chance to come back. May not be a good chance, but at least there's a chance to come back. And there's slightly more complicated orders of battle than uh, special yeah. rules and so on. 
And it says, bit of fuzzy sound on yours, Dave. Oh, sorry. I was just trying to send that to Jeff. I don't know if we're getting that fuzz from anything you can control, Jeff, but now you'll have to edit this out. You know, when I was growing up, the fuzz is something that everybody just took off. <laughs> you know, you went to the nearest alley and hit it. You, it's the fuzz! If you remember the movie, The Fuzz, that goes oh. back to the 70s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um... Sorry, um, but also then, before, without revealing the winner, I suppose, Dave, do you think having those larger games where the die rolls were less effective necessarily, do you think it changed who played better in any way? Or No. no. Okay. <laughs> I seed the PSL Open. I know the players. Oh, yeah. I know uh, that they are how should I say it, the more competitive uh, and more likely to win games, they get higher seeds. New players I put in the middle somewhere, uh, unless they say, hey, I'm you know, brand new. Because you don't want, uh, the whole point of the open seeding theory is, is that you're always playing people who are playing at your level and winning or losing, as the case may be, at your level in the tournament once it starts. And it seems to work out. I have had I think in the last six or eight years, one complaint about somebody who said he didn't like his initial seeding. And mm. that's because I think also the tournament scene has changed so much that people are coming to the tournaments because they want to be face-to-face -face with a bunch of people playing ASL and they want to compete. But it is not like in, I would say, 20 years ago where the face-to-face -face tournaments, people were really invested in winning. Uh, much more so than they are now. Of course, the average uh -huh. cell player is a lot older now than he was 20 years ago. <laughs> a little more mellow. Not 20 years, generally speaking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so then how many guys did you get signed up in this new format? I think we have about 40. It was in, it was in the high 30s, I take that back. Yeah. Um, it was about um, and my hope is... If we have to do it virtual next year, which I suspect is going to be the case, um, that I asked people to talk it up because I had compliments that they liked the idea of a week scenario week. They liked the idea of the larger scenarios. I changed the scenario list by cutting it down. In the face-to-face -face tournament, I had lots of extra scenarios that a person could choose from, choose from yeah. uh, whereas now I just put four scenarios in each round so that's 24 scenarios I have to find and then I said but I don't care if the two of you agree you can play any scenario you want oh okay it's to me because I realized that the scoring program in the computer that is now like 20 years old and one of these days is going to crap out on me then I'm going to be in big trouble because the program is written for um, Microsoft Access, which doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. Oh, sorry, Jeff. Does it or I, not? I still use it. Yeah, it does. But, the, uh, but anyway, well, support is hard to I find. I want you to take a look at this computer, uh, this program, and recreate it. I need someone to recreate it so it'll run on a more modern. Uh, you know, methodology. Yeah, send me the MDB. I'll see. I'll take a look at it. I do. I do a lot of access development. 
I could also take a look at it for you, Dave, yeah. but uh, it just be me staring at it for really long hours with nothing changing or yeah, happening. Yeah, you never know. That yeah. might be useful. Yeah, superpowers and can duplicate it to make yeah. it run on another computer. That'll work. <laughs> yeah, with the technology, I don't know a whole lot about it, but my I did have a friend that was unemployed for quite a while, and suddenly a company was a startup, or they found him, and they used whatever it was that he was one of the real good people at that program or that language or whatever and whatever it was he knew how to do the stuff and he finally got a job did you um, buy apple stock and did you buy Tesla oh, stock today i mean you know come on you oh know, they split they split the stock didn't they that's right five for one i think they both were oh, unbelievable if only I had a million dollars, I could turn that into like a million and five thousand. <laughs> so if I had a million dollars, I could turn it into 50 cents real quick. Yeah, I could too. <laughs> That's my problem. That is well, definitely it. I'm still hoping to inherit maybe a million dollars if I kill my brother and sister. Mm. Yeah. Can't get away with it. <laughs> <laughs> To avoid um, litigation, tell oh, people that you are being recorded. It's just a joke, and yeah. it won't even be a million dollars anyway. Um, but uh, so the tournament, so did people have, you said they had a week, and then they just submitted their results, and then you right. redid things, and, and then I, again. And then I send out the matchups for the next round. It, yep. it, the, the structure of the tournament, although slightly different as far as scenario selection and what you could do, and the timing, of course, is completely different because it's not compressed over Thursday through Sunday, um, is exactly the same, using the same scoring program, uh, you know, 10 points for a win, one point for each subsequent win or prior win uh, of an opponent that you defeat. And uh, it came out very nicely. And uh, it's it's been running program for now, I think, close to 20 years, and uh, I'm going to take you up on it, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> and because, good, good. I, I, because if it were to crash in the middle of a tournament, it would be close to difficult, if not impossible, for me to actually hand score it if I have, you know, 40 people. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be tough. Well, I just thought of something, too. The, the last uh, time I was at the tournament a couple of years ago, um, I had just sat down to play a game, my first game, uh, when my dad passed away. Oh, no. Oh, I'm gonna... That's right. Okay. I haven't cried in a year. Um, but boy, that brings it back. I just sat down and got the phone call. And I had to come up to you, Dave, and say, my, my dad is, is, well, he hadn't died then, but was going to pass soon, and he sure did. Um, well, that's a horrible example, I guess. Of, so if I had a different problem uh, on a certain day, oh, my gosh, I have to go home and fix this technical thing or my electricity's out, it wouldn't throw off the tournament at all. Whereas well, that, that time I had to leave and I couldn't come back for several days, and then the tournament's over. Right. Well, uh, there is one catch that uh, it happens face to face, but it's a lot simpler. Um, somebody doesn't show up 
for oh, the did that happen? Second also? day. Well, it happened once or twice. Hmm. And I, you know, and it's somebody that I know, you know, I get on the phone, I call to make sure if I can get a hold of them. But every once in a while, somebody just disappears. Then I, I, I was scramble, and then I have to scramble, and either I inject myself into the tournament because I'm always the odd man out, right? Or I switch around things and everything. And that also happened uh, when I ran the Open this uh, year. I had a couple of people who just said, you know, my schedule just went to hell, and they forfeited their match because they had scheduled it for later in the week. And then work or other life. Oh, sure. Okay. Well, things happen. And I had anticipated that. Uh, you know, so I had a very tough forfeiture rule, which is. Decapitation? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I was just trying to we, come up with something we, appropriate. We, we weren't that quite that extreme. You know, <laughs> we did have a firing squad ready, but we weren't quite that extreme. Um, which was if you can't agree, on a time to play. All right. Yeah, that's right, I guess. You have to be starting 9 o'clock Central Daylight Time in Saturday, on Saturday. Yeah, I didn't say sure. you could play on Sunday because, you know, the results are due uh, Monday morning. But that's the default time, which hurts people. You know, we had one player from overseas playing, and that was that's always very tricky. Um, oh, yeah, time zone, sure, right. But actually, we had two players from overseas. Yeah, because when they come here, they're on the same time zone. That's right. <laughs> um, well, they're jet lag, but, you know, that's... <laughs> that's good that's, for the American players. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, that's uh, the problem at ASLOC with USA versus the world. Uh, <laughs> USA is, uh, quite frankly, <laughs> not done very well in that uh, uh, mini-tournament. Um I've actually heard that with football, that teams who travel like from Chicago to the West Coast, somehow that extra couple hour thing, I find it harder to believe. But anyway, sorry, Dave, go on. But, uh, you know, but these things happen that you do have to roll with the punches and get people uh, on the same page. But if not, you know, uh, I had to call one forfeiture where the, the two guys actually got mad at each other because apparently... One said this time, another guy emailed back and said that time, and they kept on going back and forth. And then they got mad at each other. Oh. <laughs> and they, We're not playing. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's true. We've got different work schedules and things. Like that is kind of true, even with a longer yeah. spread out time. Yeah, these things happen. Interesting. So then you only lost a few players, maybe this well, year. Well, I didn't lose players because uh, both those guys continued on in the tournament. It was just a scheduling problem that week for one of them, and then the communication broke down between them. Oh, oh, good, good. You know, I could probably volunteer myself to be a on-call player next year if, let's hope not, I'd rather be showing up in person, doing some interviews, having a nice, nice lunch. <laughs> but... Anyway, feel free to ask if you need someone. Sure. And, you know, so, but hopefully, as I said, I'm anticipating it'll probably be uh, via internet this coming 2021, but hopefully by 2022, we'll all be back face to face. Well, I think probably the best benefit of this whole thing for an ASL tournament or any kind of uh, gaming convention 
is the lack of body odor when you're playing your opponent. Well, yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, and if you really don't like the looks, you can just turn off the video. <laughs> or if, uh, and, then, and then Bob Bendis' uh, his dog would only be in the background, not on the chair next to it. Yeah, no, that, that dog is a trooper. It is. And Bob, I'm just kidding. Yeah, he knows it. <laughs> I'm his biggest fan, actually. Remember that story where I met him at uh, Street Fest, and he ended up knowing my sister's friend, and they like, you know each other? I'm like, I'm his. This guy's my idol. <laughs> <laughs> For real, yeah, you know. You love his counter storage system. Oh yeah. gosh, yeah, it's legendary. Loose I think so. I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, you know. Having played him, having to sort through his pile of counters that he has back then, <laughs> a bag, it didn't take that long. That was no, that was surprisingly. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, uh, I forget what the I think the steel-eyed boys I think was the scenario, and the Brits had a bunch of comet tanks, and we found them all without too yeah. much trouble. <laughs> amazing. That is amazing. Wow. Well, what um, what other tournaments did you play in? You said a lot. I couldn't believe that. Well, uh, I played with the um, guys out of Washington, D.C., and I played with the Canadians, Caslow, and I played wow. out west. And um, so that's three while I was running the open. Yeah, that's so, that's a lot. Yeah, in a short amount of time, especially considering I didn't play Basel until the end of March. I never even looked at it, quite frankly. Yeah, and again, Jeff and I, people mocked us for doing a, an ASL podcast for 12 years, Jeff. Yeah. And not, I keep saying, oh, yeah, we're going to check out Vassal someday. Well, and, and I know? tried to. I tried to one time. Ken not tried to get me... Uh, get me trained in it and I couldn't I just could not do it I don't know why and I, I'm computer adept at least I'm I'm more adept than my clients that pay me <laughs> so uh um but yeah I just could not wrap my head around it but now that we've got it going yeah it's definitely I love the fact that there are no counters I love that I just I just dig it because I digging does. counters out he hated not, it yeah, I hate I've, I've never told Jeff this, so I, I hope it doesn't end our friendship. But you know, well, I was too carefully thing. to watch the expression on his face. <laughs> he would come to my house to play, and I would be all ready to have the defense all set up, right, and everything. And I'm like, all right, let's let's play. And then he'd, I'd go to his house to play, and I'm like, oh, do you have do you have the counters and stuff? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're he, over there. Oh, yeah. And then I'd come back, like, uh, you know, to record a month later, and the same game is sitting out. Oh, you didn't put that away yet? Yeah, I haven't put it away yet. Whereas I try and, page. you know, unless I want to sit and analyze it on the board after my friends leave or, you know, the next day, which sometimes I would do. I'd be like, oh, look at this, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I try and strike the set right away. <laughs> like a theater, like after the last performance. Everyone has to stay and start striking the set, you know, put all those counters away. So, yeah, he does love it, not having them. And to be honest, it's kind of nice in a way. 
I know, Dave, you mentioned you like the counters. I, I do too, but it's, My I can, is face-to-face. I'm switching. Yeah. No, you're right. And I hope people in my game groups, even like D&D, mm-hmm. my friend Rick just said the other day, uh, this week, well, this Zoom is working out so well for D&D, you know, I'm pretty sure we won't have to drive to your house in the winter. <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, you still have to drive to my house and I get to wave goodbye as you go out in the cold. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know? I would hate to not, you know, maybe if it's a winter night, but Golly, summer, you better, spring and fall, you better be getting your rear end here in person, you know. So, yeah, I hope that doesn't take that part away. And I'm willing, Jeff, to set up everything. I'll even come to your house, set up the game. Okay. <laughs> Go back now, home. Now you're talking. That's um, great. But oh, it's people, nice. people yeah. will come back to your house, Dave. They, they want to be uh, close to your refrigerator full of joyful beverages. <laughs> Soda of any kind. Yeah. Of course, a room full of miniatures, which I won't try to show by turning yeah. my computer. No. Um, so, have you done any ASL projects? You know, now that the, you know we're somewhat reduced in where we can go to and what to do. You know, did you sort your counters? Did you buy a new storage system? <laughs> well, you haven't been listening or following our Twitter feed much, have you? No, I'm afraid I've been remiss in that respect. That's okay, um, but I have I have done how many was it thirty one Jeff or thirty seven Was it that many? It's over thirty. Yeah. Of these new reduced size, and most of these are the um, broken ground design <laughs> counters. So we ended up getting uh, got a lot of those. That was a pretty huge project. Yeah. Labels, everything. What I did, I have a hose-on system. And, you know, those hard plastic cases that have the, you know, multi... Uh, little little uh, tricks. Yeah, yeah, right. And it's hard plastic. And the dividers that you put in have a flat lip. And I didn't realize it, but somebody had actually posted to... Uh, Game Squad forums, the labels, if you print it on a sheet of, you know, one big label sheet, in the colors, you know, 838, you know, two three three eights, and so on and so forth, and all the guns and all the vehicles. Uh, and I can't remember, he did many of it through Quad de Guerre, but he had the French from the original French module, everything. And so I printed all those out on label, paper and then start cutting and putting them down on everything. And so now I have this beautiful, you know, system uh, uh, all labeled up nice and nothing to use my counters for because there's no face to face. That was kind of my thought too. It's like, oh, I got all these great counters to show people and everything. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's true, Jeff. I'm anxious to show all these broken ground design counters. I'm like, yeah, let's try using these. And I got, you know, I got all these unique nationalities, too, that only he put out. So it is a little bit sad, but we'll we'll get back to it. Yeah. Have you bought anything lately, David Goldman? Yeah. Have you I, yes. I haven't really touched it, but I bought the um, Italian stuff. 
And I also bought Quantigare. I decided that even though I have the LFT Rat Pocket Chart third edition, which I think is a fabulous product, I had the second edition and you know they updated it and it's well worthwhile. I, I think it's probably one of the most useful tools uh, to mm. play ASL. And quite frankly, it uh, sits underneath my computer when I'm playing Basil because it's the quickest way. Yeah, I it's. Mm -hmm. It, it, it's really a fine product. In fact, if I were to travel to a tournament and not be bringing my whole kit, which nowadays I think is, you know, it, it's just insane, you know, the, the amount of space that it takes up. Um, and here's edition number three. Yep, we are Fair going hope. to actually cover edition number three, I think, later in this episode. As soon as we're done with you, Dave, we're going to finish up looking at Quad de Guerre. Which we also had received, uh, courtesy of, or did I buy this one myself? But it might have been Derek Ritter at Ritterkrieg.com, yep. who has given us several stuff. And I am really happy to say the guys at Advancing Fire in Italy, right. Advancing Fire, did send us some copies of their work. We helped them with the shipping. But we have both packets to start to look at, and we're hoping Mike Rizzi is going to be our expert because he's <clears> going to dig into it, find the differences in the system, and we're hoping to present that on the air real soon also. Yeah, good choices. And that, yeah, that third, all the LFT charts are just so handy to be flipping through. I'm yeah. looking forward to uh, the publication of the mini Chapter H, which is... Uh, that is going to be very, very useful. Wait, isn't that already in the ASL book? You mean the, the yeah, chapter H? No, the chapter H is not with all the. Um, yeah, with all the vehicle notes and everything. All the oh, duh. I was thinking um, desert. Sorry, F. That's F. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, and, uh, yeah, H. Yeah, I, I would like an H too. I still have yeah. to get up and go over to the shelf. Yeah. Whip out this three ring binder. That's right. It's... It doesn't fit well here. You know, <laughs> I, I go fit it on the dryer. Clothes fit well. <laughs> have you gained weight? During no, COVID? I have. I have lost some weight during COVID. But yeah, I try and lay it out on my mini fridge and yeah. just run over there, flip through, run back to my opponent and say, "Oh, it looks like the footnote says this." Yeah. Yeah, that would be good to have. That would be good. There's also buzz that there's going to be an electronic rule book, which I'll be very curious to see, you know, what they do. Because if they have one that has uh, links, you know, yeah. oh, to the other link. That would be amazing. That'll sell like hotcakes. Yeah. Right? Sure. Yeah. And then updating rules will become a lot simpler. Oh, right. Everybody will be up to date. Um, Dave, let's jump back to the tournament. So who were the winners this year? I've already forgotten. <laughs> Sorry to catch you up. Well, in a second, but I can look it up. You know? Look it up. Because, you know, when you run a tournament for, what, 10 years you've been doing this? No, uh, I'm 20 years now. Is it 20? Yeah. No, yeah, wow. it is, isn't it? Uh, let's see. My first one with uh, old, uh, what's his name? He sat at a t round table with us. Um, Louis. Louis. Louis, Louis Tokars. My first yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. I was such a naive young lad walking in there, knowing nobody, literally nobody. 
Talk about intimidating. Oh, yeah. It's like the time I walked into your basement, Dave. Yeah, well, yeah. I'd, I'd never played before, didn't know anything about it. Just somebody said, oh, you should check it out. So. Yeah. And at that first tournament I played, um, oh, the really nice guy from New York, shoot. Randy Yates, who we saw his name on some scenarios or something, Jeff. And I'm like, hey, I played this guy <laughs> back in 91 or whatever. Mm. I'm wondering if at some point, you know, ASL Open maybe in uh, 2022, some people will be live and some people oh. will be virtual. I, I have thought about how to do that. Yeah, yeah. how do you, how do you match up? Sure, and I'm not sure that it really will work. So you'll discriminate. Well, if <laughs> what if a... You're always going to force the other guy to come to your type of play, right? I mean, I'm live, and then Dave lines me up with a guy who's virtual. I have to go to a computer screen. Yeah, right. And Although I guess I could have one in the room if you got enough bandwidth, right? You Bring could. Yourself. Yeah, you could. Yeah. It's conceivable. It's possible, but uh, you would need a lot more, I would say, firepower. To get that done, uh, yeah, be too too much. More than most hotels usually will offer. Yeah, yeah. you need That's a lot sure. of power in the room, quite frankly. Yeah. Okay, so here's the 2020 EASL Open final standings, and a very interesting final round because the number one player lost his sixth round uh, match to the number two player. So the number one player, because of his strength of schedule, accumulated 70 points. That's Nathan Staff. And Darren Kovacs beat him in the final round, but he didn't pick up enough points. Uh, he obviously, when he went won that game, he picked up 15 points to get to 68. And then Greg Barsness, who just uh, finished the tournament that, uh, out on the West Coast that I was in, was uh, third place for 66 points. Uh, Jonathan Kay, 61 points. Blake Ball, 55 uh, points. Richard King, who just won that tournament out west, uh, 53 points. And the first Midwesterner was Rich Domovic, uh, points in seventh place. Nathan Wegner, Brent Crawford, and Dan Sullivan rounded out the top ten. Um, let's see. And what else can I tell you? Oh, I was right. There were actually 41 people who did play at least one game. Uh, we had uh, one fellow who dropped out after two games because uh, he had a family crisis. And one guy whose work just landed on his head. He only played one game. And pretty much everybody else played uh, five or six games. There were, you know, a couple who only played four, but most everybody played five or six games. In fact, in the final round, one four, five, six. So we had 35 people playing in the final round, which is pretty good. Out of 41 who played at least one game. Yeah. Now, there were not a lot of Midwesterners up there. No, none of the, a lot of the names that I'd seen before. Are those new names to be the victors there? Uh, let's see. Well, you know, Nathan is a Midwesterner. I'm not going to think about it, or at least I think he is. Um, but Kovacs, Barsness, K, uh, Ball, King are not. That's for sure. 
Yeah. So, you know, it, the interesting thing about it is, is that some of my regulars <clears throat> don't don't play basil. Okay, so, that could explain so, it. You know, we lost the you know, four or five in, in that fashion. Yeah. Given that I think... That would include Spilky and others at that time, yeah. Yeah, I, I can't remember why Rich didn't... Uh, yeah, Rich series. just now is learning it, Basil, yeah. which... Uh, yeah, that's right. And, and, and Rich is very particular. He, yeah, he, he would have sat it out. Wanna, before he does it. Yeah, he wouldn't want to get into... Never yeah. give him a lot of time to prepare to play a game. Because he will know everything about any particular scenario. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, if yes. even a week or two to prepare, he will be the best prepared player in any particular scenario. It may not work yeah. for him. He may have had yeah. a wrong. Yeah. Yep. Thing. Right. You, That's you rare. May, you may not move the way he thought you would, and your dice may be better. But, boy, when I, when I last time I played him face-to-face, -face, sure enough, my Americans all moved right where he knew I would. And when they broke, they routed exactly where he was a hidden Japanese squad in the right who popped out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I tried to do it to Jeff. I could never get it to work. <laughs> so that's because I'm such a such an excellent player. <laughs> well, well, anything else, Dave, you want to add before we let you go here? Plug for the ASL Open. I'd like to see it back up to 60 or more people. Yeah. Uh, you know, if I get more than 64, I can add the seventh round. We used to have seven rounds. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, that, that would make it a very, very interesting open. And I think, quite frankly, uh, online, we may get there. Uh, you know, it's hard to get people to travel for a long weekend. Right. But uh, if it's online, I suspect we may get there this time. Well, I oh, hope, that, hope that works out. I appreciate the time that you allowed me to talk about the Open. And great. Always soon great we'll to have see a face-to-face -face Open where you guys can broadcast from there. Yeah. Yes, it would be super again. Yep. Yeah. All right, Let's, take care, Dave. Take care. Bye-bye. Good to see you, Dave. Take it easy. Bye-bye. And that was David Goldman. Always good to hear from David. Yeah, really fascinating the different digital kind of ways that he ran that, extending it yeah. out over yeah. a longer period of time. Yes. Still having problems with no-shows. I think that was what at first surprised me, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I don't have to be there at 9 a.m. on Saturday, but I have to be there at some time during the week. And yeah. Because maybe when people think they have longer time, suddenly it runs out and they forget they had that date night scheduled. Yeah. Yep. With one of their many girlfriends or wives. Because <laughs> that's always a thing. They're known for that. It's complicated. Yes, it's complicated. <laughs> yeah, well, it was good to hear from Dave. I'm glad and he's doing okay. Better yeah. sign off, I suppose. Yeah, I guess that'll wrap it for this episode, Dave. Good to see you, and I'll see you next time on another exciting episode of the Two Half Squads. But remember to roll low and rally well. But not when you're playing us. us. No, sir. I oh, don't let's tip, like tip our hats to the ladies. You have hair problems when you. My, okay. I don't have hair problems because I have no hair again. Said that last time. Bye-bye. Hair extinguished. Bye-bye. Extinguished? Sorry. <laughs> Distinguished? <laughs>